0: Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of The Athletic HQ Podcast. I'm your host, Andy, and today's episode is number eight, eating chocolate and losing weight. And this is going to be a great segue into discussing all things energy balance, understanding a little bit more about flexible dieting, and basically open up a bit of a discussion around just when certain foods are appropriate in somebody's diet, because there's a lot of stigma at the moment around what you eat, and I think we live in a culture at the moment which supports the notion of yelling out, you know, isn't that bad for you? And people are so uh, misinformed or at least misguided behind behind the anxieties of um, what they're eating, and just understanding that, um, particularly being in a first world country or having so many other factors that environmental factors that can cause you, you know. Um, Long term health. Um, I think often we start focusing on the chocolate bar that we're eating and not the bigger picture. And the chocolate bar is just essentially symbolic of um, any food that people are a little bit um, ashamed to say that they eat out loud. Or if they do, they've been bad. And if they've been bad, then they've got to jump on the you know, cross-trainer or whatever, or increase ever, you know, amount of steps, whatever it is. So today we're going to talk firstly about energy balance um, because you guys are going to hear a lot about this topic again and again and again. And when we talk about energy balance, we refer to our caloric intake, which is what foods we take in, and just the energy values that are associated with those foods. And then obviously we have energy out. So the amount that we expend throughout the day. And this energy balance will ultimately dictate what happens to our weight weight. So when we're, our body is uh, burning of roughly around the same amount of calories that we're taking in and it's found a way to um, adapt to the Im- intake that you're taking in, then um, the body weight will stay the same. If you're somebody who restricts your intake or creates enough of a stress stimulus through restriction of, of what you're eating or um Excessive, you know working out or increasing on on daily expenditure then you will notice um, a decrease in Body fat percentage, which is what we're looking for ideally if you're if you're somebody who's trying to lose weight You're not just trying to lose, you know muscle tissue bone density You want to preserve those things um, and make sure that it's the body fat that we're trying to lose Um, And then of course if you're eating in a surplus you can expect weight gain um but the real concept that we need to first establish is weight versus fat, because I think we're all in agreement that for the people that are trying to optimize body composition, whether it's for their own aesthetic bit reasons, whether it's because they've got um, certain health markers they're trying to improve, or just if they want to lead a, a different quality of life, um, body fat is is what we're trying to reduce, particularly visceral fat, um, fat found within the you know internal organs, etc. So um, there's a lot of you know health relevance to this, rather than just thinking about um, getting a six pack summer sort of thing. So when it comes to your energy balance, um, our body will adapt to uh, our intake, particularly if it's very steady throughout the week. Um, The same reason why um, people can stay the same sort of weight, you know, over a six month period, having not really done any exercise or necessarily focused on trying to lose weight or gain weight. Um, The body likes to have a state of homeostasis where it's managing its its weight. We don't want to fluctuate a lot. The only reason um, weight tends to fluctuate particularly if it's over the weekend or after a big night or whatever has more to do with our, um, carbohydrate fluctuation within the body. So, um, our stored carbohydrates within the body, and then therefore our, um, water that we store along with those carbohydrates. And if you want to learn a little bit more about that, um, listening to the, um, the carbs podcast, we'll go into a bit more detail about how that works. Um, but essentially weight fluctuation happens regularly. It can happen for females within their, um, four week cycle. So, um, uh, holding on to water at particular points of that cycle can mean sometimes a 1 to 1.5 kilo increase in weight without uh, an effect on their body composition as far as um, fat cells so Weight isn't something that we tend to spend a lot of time focusing on. Although as you're going through your journey, it's always um, important to have these uh, associations. So, you know, um, the way that you look and feel at certain, whether it's weights or photos or measurements, and that way you can have a bit of a... um, a good perspective over what's happening in your body. I've had plenty of times myself where my weight has stayed very similar, but my physique has changed. I've had times where I've weighed more wanting to look muscly, but instead it, uh, I've looked softer. Whereas there's times that you can be really lean and feel like, oh wow, I, I feel much more muscle bound now, but you're actually lighter than before. So um, weight isn't no numero uno. So when, it turn, when, it, when we're talking about um, fat loss, we're talking about your energy balance. And your energy balance is very similar to your uh, savings, like your income and expenses. Um, and so when, you talk, when you're debating sort of th- uh, how this comes about, energy balance, whether you're trying to lose weight, go into a calorie deficit or gain weight you know, in a calorie surplus, you can't, uh, you can't save money at the end of your month if you haven't been able to earn more than your spending. So it doesn't matter whether you're somebody who actually likes to write a budget down, I know every dollar that leaves my account, whether you're somebody that just earns a lot of money and therefore you just know that you're saving stuff at the end of the month, every person's um, view on this topic will be different. And that actually resonates with the, you know, Nutrition community because there's some people who will never write a budget for their nutrition. They will never look at numbers, but that's they'll also be somebody who's on their feet for 12 hours a day and then works out on top of that. So they will basically train their way into their calorie deficit or maintenance um, ongoing, and they can kind of eat how they want. You have somebody else who, for example, if you look at somebody who's very frugal, somebody who perhaps has a lower um, salary and they're trying to save every dollar and make sure every dollar counts, and they're very aware of what's going out of their bank account. That would be like somebody who doesn't train very often. They're not really into um, high intensity workouts or they're not necessarily very active throughout the day, but they are very uh, strict on what they take in. They make sure their portions are adequate. They don't eat until they're uh, completely stuffed or felt sick. They're very um, aware of their uh, feelings of satiety and feelings of being full. So There's different types of approaches when it comes to your um, calorie management. And that's why a lot of people don't agree on uh, tracking calories as the only way to get into shape because tracking calories is just like uh, tracking your expenses um, in that it can sometimes be uncomfortable or challenging, or you forgot that you spent this money on this or, or all kinds of things, or you might have irregular um, costs like irregular nights. Oh, that's not really me though. That, that was just a, um, a birthday party that I had or that wasn't really me that was just a, um, a Present that I wanted to buy somebody but the point is is that when you start tallying these up over Let's say four weeks eight weeks 15 weeks, 20 weeks, um, you start to notice trends in that, yes, they might be infrequent and irregular, but when you tally them all up and you create an average, your monthly, um, goes up. And same thing with your eating. So if you're somebody who eats really well Monday to Friday, but then, uh, tends to eat in a calorie surplus on the weekends, that will increase your total uh, calories daily for, for the entire week. Um, and so that's an important thing to understand. So if you are wanting to, uh, lose weight you want to make sure that you understand what are the parameters that are going to work for you so a lot of people want to attach themselves to a certain diet plan um, keto diet or low carb diet or i'm just going to cut out alcohol or i'm just going to cut out carbs chocolate whatever it is and So uh, and this is easy and the reason why this is easy for a lot of people is it's, it's easy to comprehend It's easy to identify where the problem is and then removing it just seems like the logical thing to do um, Often the reason why these diets fail long term is that uh, there's no re-entry strategy. There's no uh, happy medium There's either binge eating or then um, you know eating very clean, but then as soon as the very the eating very clean finishes, there's no behaviours that we've adopted which don't um, help us from going back into those binge eating habits. We only have one extreme or the next. So understanding how to include things in your lifestyle is very important. That's why today I want to talk a bit about um, flexible dieting, what it is, and what role it can play for you in your nutritional uh, setup because flexible dieting is not just like uh, I had a pop tart and that and therefore I'm being flexible flexible is is all about your lifestyle is understanding that just like a a a budget no one's going to tell you hey why don't you just try and save five hundred dollars a week Well, what kind of context is that? For some people, that is completely excessive and unreasonable and and, and might represent such a portion of their income that that's never going to happen. Then for somebody else, $500 a week might be less than what they're currently saving. So would it be the right advice to just tell people, hey, I think everyone in Australia should save $500 a week? Probably not. Conversely, if you're going to say to someone, hey, the best way to get ahead or to save lots of money is never enter a cafe and eat food within a cafe. What do you mean? Well, that's where people spend the most money historically. And if you look at Australians, man, we have a problem with cafes. So you take person number one who goes to a cafe five times a week. And every time they go, they order a a large cappuccino and then they get a takeaway food item, croissant, whatever. So let's just say their total cost was $15. If they've gone there five times a week, that person's now saving $75. And that might be quite a dramatic impact. That might be enough that they can save that extra money to go on that holiday or to take that break or not have to work that hard. But if you conversely look at somebody who goes to a cafe once per week and they sit down with a friend, they order a small coffee and they have a great catch up by telling them blanket rule, hey, you're not going to uh, go to any more cafes anymore because we're going to try and limit your spending. In this instance, you're going to put a significant strain on their mental well-being because you're going to be reducing this uh, amount of socializing, their ability to communicate with others, to have relationships and, and putting an extra element of strain on that situation when it's not going to yield a massive benefit as far as income is concerned and savings that goes the same way for things like carbohydrates or chocolate alcohol anything that you're going to just cut out you got to understand that if you're cutting it out without context and what that represents in your calories each week then your outcome is just going to be like gunslinging you're not going to know is this going to be best for me somebody like me personally i don't drink alcohol that often so if i was to have a blanket rule where i was just going to no longer drink alcohol that's not going to be the the one that breaks the camel's back that's not the thing where i'm going to transform my body over night so then for me when somebody sees me at a restaurant and i have a beer in my hand to them they're saying oh wow you can drink beer and look the way that you do but they don't understand the context around that it might be one beer for the month surrounded by so much exercise and discipline that that that's not going to have a huge impact and that's what i'm sort of symbolizing with the chocolate bar is that it's all about your quantities and 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 your lifestyle and what that chocolate bar represents um For clients who come in who uh, are dealing with some kind of, whether it's eating disorders or not, or binge eating habits, you need to understand that there's no good or bad foods. It's just the way that we use those foods. Just like if you grab a hammer from Bunnings and you go around and beat somebody over the head with it, the problem isn't the hammer, it's just what you chose to do with the hammer. So you, do, you don't say to somebody, hey, I don't want you ever touching another tool again. You just gotta show them when you grab a hammer, this is how you use it for carpentry or whatever you're doing around the house, you never bash somebody over the head. That's like a chocolate bar. What does chocolate bars represent? What are the quantities? When do we go and get them? When are we most stressed and why are we stressed? Why are we creating these environments that are gearing us towards having chocolate? um it's often the situations when we get food for comfort we're eating them on the couch a very comfortable place to be in our safe homes where there's heating and we're watching our favorite show and so not only are we um not mindful when we're consuming the food but we're doing it in like the most positive environment ever so it's no wonder that this um you know chocolate or chips or cheese or whatever has a positive association in your head if we said as soon as you wanted chocolate you just got to stand out in the rain and eat it crouched down next to the road you'd be like i'm not doing that you crazy i don't want we're look like a fruit loop it's cold outside it's like of course when you change the environment around the chocolate bar suddenly it's not about the chocolate bar it's about what it symbolizes what it what it is for us and so um there's nothing wrong with uh us you know using sugar as this um as this exciting you know pleasure item that you're gonna have when you're stressed. However, if the rest of the week, when we're not as highly strong or we're not going through as much things, um, we're also eating poorly, then that chocolate bar might be the thing that tips us over the edge. So when it comes to understanding your uh, energy balance, your your calories, it's good for you guys to know a bit of a starting block. How much should I be eating in a day? And that question, it has no answer. It's, it's kind of like, how much should I be earning? Uh, how much should I be spending? I guess it depends on your, the individual with what, with what it is that you're trying to achieve and what sort of outcome would you like to have? Like I know for me personally, I like to know that I can eat a lot and and eat till I feel full and content um, when I do sit down and have meals because I only get to eat maybe twice a day I like to have a big lunch um, and then a big dinner at the end of the day and there might be snacks in between so in order for me to to sit down and enjoy that and and not worry about necessarily portion sizes I often fast in the morning while I'm at work so I get up in the morning um, and I, I've finished eating say at 930 10 p.m. the night before which might be a surprise to most of you thinking about, isn't eating before bed bad? I can't tell you how often I get told, you know, I know I've got these terrible eating habits and I eat straight before I go to bed What's causing you to gain body fat is not what time you're eating the food, just your daily quantities. We're not gonna not everyone sees us when we first wake up in the morning. So even if we are heavier first thing in the morning, what it doesn't matter. If you weigh differently at midday, does that mean that's a good thing? It's it's such a silly premise. It's like um it's like spending money at the end of your day versus spending money at the start of the day. You gotta control your spending, not when you do it. Um where was I? One of a minute of a tangent just then. So for somebody like me Wanting to be able to eat those quantities, fasting in the morning. So I'll fast between, say, 10 p.m. and, say, uh, 1 p.m. So we're looking at about a, a what's that, 15-hour fast or thereabouts. And so if I was to say uh, stop that and start uh Having a breakfast in the morning, which is fine, and there's nothing wrong with that either. I'm going to be increasing my daily calories, and therefore, over a seven day period, would notice a substantial weekly increase. And if I was somebody who didn't exercise anymore or didn't exercise any more than I was, in fact, if I started reducing my daily expenditure, because, for example, would in more more podcasts, sitting down, talking to you lot, um. Then maybe my weight might fluctuate. I might have some fat gain over a six-week, eight-week period. Not, you know, in two weeks' time, I've got to be stressed about it. Um, And that's the same for all of you guys. So um, how many calories do you eat in your day? The first step is there are calculators. Um, Calculators uh, that take into account things like your weight, height, age, um, and they can give you... Uh, some some guesstimates for things, uh, what's known as your BMR, your basal metabolic rate. So if we look at the Harris-Benedict model, that takes into account um, age, height, and weight. However, um, the Martin-McDonald-MNU method, which I think is far simpler, is very easy, and and it almost yields the same amount, considering that the first calculations are a guesstimate anyway. Um... It doesn't really matter how detailed you go into that that calculation. For males, take your body weight times it by 24. That should give us our BMR. For females, take your body weight times it by 22. And that will give you your BMR. Now, basal metabolic rate is not how much you burn in a day. That is just simply, if you do not do anything, if you lie in bed, you do not move, you're just breathing and blinking, that's the amount. Quite often, that number that 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 calculation will generate is more than the clients are currently eating. And that causes us to think, okay, this is something that we can work with. But we don't stop there. That's our BMR calculations. We then take into uh, consideration their physical activity level. And people go, how many times a week do I train? It is nothing to do with that. It uh, it incorporates that. But your physical activity level is over a 24-hour period. Of a 24-hour period, how many hours are sleeping? How many hours are driving and sitting? How many hours are preparing food? How many hours are cleaning the house? How many hours are you training or walking the dog or being physically active? And it's very hard to do a seven-day track of that. But it's very important to understand that there is a distinction between the person who doesn't go to work and instead does shopping all day long, cleans the house, picks the kids up from school, um, and at nighttime goes for a walk. Their energy expenditure or their physical activity level is far greater than the office worker who was there all day for eight hours, then goes and does a HIT class for 45 minutes. Even if they did that every single day, the the, the person who's got the a greater daily physical activity level will probably burn or require more calories than the person who's doing that 45-minute class. Um, The reason being is that the calories that we actually burn during our training sessions, at best, in in like an unbelievable situation, might be 10% of your daily calories. Um, Athletes, if you're training for three hours a day, possibly more, but we're not really talking about the outliers. We're talking about most of you guys who are going to a gym for half an hour, between half an hour and an hour, um, hour and a half, whatever. And those... Uh, calories that we burn so minute the majority of our calories within the day come from the bmr the physical activity level so the amount that we expend doing things like non-exercise activity thermogenesis so neat um basically just being a human being out and about and then of course you add in things like uh the thermic effect of food so we do you know burn a little bit from um from digesting food. Now this got overplayed so hard because protein has the highest thermic effect in the body. So we burn the most um, consuming protein. It's also the most satiating macronutrient. So um, a lot of people utilize it when they're trying to um, reduce their body fat because eating more, eating more protein has, has so many benefits. Um, you know, for body comp, etc. But there was this uh, ad on YouTube and the guy was saying, I found these um, superfoods, this nuclear bomb that's gonna, you know, t- you know, help you d- kill your goals and don't spend hours in the gym doing cardio and don't eat like a rabbit. You know, once I found out what these thermic, you know, f- effect of foods were, it's like, oh, dude, way overplayed. Way, 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 way overplayed. Yes, we do burn calories, digesting uh, protein, but it's not worth considering Enough in the equation. It's just worth you guys understanding that that happens. So, anyway, I hope that sort of clarified that. So, yes, you do burn calories, but it's not worth taking into consideration too much. Um, And then, of course, icing on top of all of that is the exercise that we do in each day. So, the exercise does play a role. So, yes, going to the gym and exercising is very beneficial for somebody who's in an office for eight or nine hours. But I'm just trying to get you guys to understand the value calorically from. Being active, being generally active, cleaning a house for eight hours or for three hours, whatever it is, is a very laborsome task for your body. You're moving your body constantly, whereas um, sitting at a desk is not. So that ph- physical activity level will start from about 1.1 1. 1 is, a, is a figure that we sort of generate in these calculators all the way through to over 1.7, but we don't normally see that type of physical activity level. So for somebody who say um, the person who's physically active all day, walking their dog, cleaning the house, doing shopping, they might be at a 1.4. So we take their BMR, we times their BMR by 1.4, and that will give us an even greater uh, calorie amount that we would expect that that person at that weight to uh, consume. And then what we do with that calculation is we can use it as a benchmark for discussion with the client about if you haven't already recorded a food diary, perhaps you can start with a bit of a meal plan around that calorie limit and see what happens um, with their body and their energy levels. The huge thing is that if they are, uh, if this calorie limit is uh, more than what they're currently eating, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to just gain weight or gain fat. One of the big things with clients who particularly like exercising, the more energy that we have, the better our performance is within the gym or the better our, our mood and things like that um, is throughout the day. So we tend to be a little bit more um, active without realizing it. The other thing to note is that we want to get into a position where our body can eat um, as much as we require and, uh, and not feel like we have to be you know, starve throughout the day. You just got to make sure that we're aware of what foods contain what amount of calories. So there are smarter ways to approach certain meals so that you're not very calorie dense and therefore, um, say, spending some of that calorie budget on something that you didn't even really care about. Um, There's nothing wrong with olive oil at all, but if you swap, say, your tablespoon that you drizzle on top of your salad with lemon, you might be saving, you know, 120 calories just by doing something simply by changing the dressing and you might actually prefer the lemon um, flavor anyway. So there's these ways of little calorie swaps that you might be able to include, which help you reduce your intake but without compromising on, you know, flavor and enjoyment. You don't have to just cut out you know things that you love so back to our flexible dieting things that we consider when it comes to flexible dieting is somebody's lifestyle so a big one for me is introvert slash extrovert or if you want to you know not give it that as broad of summary you might have somebody who's got um, family life and they're rarely out of the house you might have somebody who has no responsibilities very carefree and they're with different people every day of the week So when we are considering what a meal structure is going to work best for them, we have to consider what type of um, uh, process or outline they're going to be able to stick to that they'll enjoy because anybody can force somebody to believe a set of principles for a certain period of time, but eventually they're going to question it and say, hey, I'm not a fan of not being able to go to restaurants or I'm sick of you guilting me every time I eat saying that I'm not meant to eat on the meal plan. It's like these are unhealthy relationships and the last unhealthy relationship that you want to add to somebody's list is the bloody health professional. You guys should be, um, or we should be rather, um, you know, a beacon for support and understanding and you can be harsh on yourself. So a great, you know, um, post from Luke Tullock spoke about this. Um, About, you know, for me as as a person, for Andy, I'm very critical on, you know, my performance in the gym, my strength levels my energy levels my physique my um you know muscular balances all these types of things very very critical but with clients for people that you're helping coach um you have to exercise understanding you have to under, you have to be uh, somebody that can that can pivot with them because it's very easy for me to say to everyone oh you know what here's my plan here's how i do things here's what i think you should do and um if you don't follow it well that's just because you're not disciplined and that's just because you know you don't want it bad enough and it's like i I think that's the easy road for a lot of coaches because it's too laborsome or tiresome to have the emotional intelligence to say to somebody i'm going to figure this out with you i'm going to say if you're somebody who wants to see your family every sunday and your mom's an italian and then she likes to produce some amazing pasta dish each day let's work out what portion would be ideal so that you never have to skip out on that meal or better yet if portions control isn't an option at dinner can we manipulate something throughout the day that day which lets you go there and go and eat guilt free? Is there something that we can do the day after with your nutrition, which is going to combat that? Can I educate you about what happens when we have an increase in um, substantial increase in carbohydrates to our weight, but how easily that can be reversed just by changing our intake over the coming days. So it's about education. It's about knowing that, Oh, so it is manageable. I can still achieve my goal and incorporate this. I just have to be weary. Yes, I don't know why uh, people look at, you know, nutrition as like this um, sacred topic. As soon as you want to talk nutrition, they go, oh, but I love food. It's like, yeah, cool. Like that's that's how it should be. It's like speaking to somebody who's, you know, in debt, it's like, yeah, but I love spending, you know, well, it's, it's, what's your choice? Do you want to save money? I don't understand. That's what you, that's what we need to clarify. It's like, would you have goals and ambitions? Yes or no. If their goals are Yes, I want to become better in this way. Well, let's have a conversation about it Whereas people I think are fearful that the conversation is going to be oh, I noticed that you had bread on your um, On your list there. Yeah, that's gonna have to go I actually heard that quite a bit when I started as a trainer Particularly when people read out people's food. They'd get them to write food diaries and they'll go, yeah, you probably want to cut out the bread. Um, oh, I saw that you had a biscuits there. You probably, yeah, so if we can avoid the biscuits. And I'm there like, oh, you Goomba, what are you talking about? There's no context. It's like me looking at your um, expenses list, going Netflix. Oh, how do you expect to get rich if you got Netflix? Oh, my gosh. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. The person could, you know you could hypothetically pick up a second job and pay for all these expenses that you love. And you're like, oh, I didn't know I could, you know, still keep them. It just means I have to work harder. Same thing with food. If you want to keep certain things in your diet or better yet, if you want to be able to eat more calories and you, whatever it is, there's always a solution. You just have to be aware that you're creating a very custom plan that might seem a little bit complex. It's not going to seem like what your neighbor did. Well, my neighbor went to a gym and they had a, eight-week challenge and they they got him to eat really healthy and he was training you know six days a week and loved it and lost 15 kilos and what's going on now oh he stopped it for a little bit I think he's put on a bit more weight but you know um you know it's just so expensive and like oh well nothing about that plan sounds like it's going to work for the long term until it comes up to the next eight-week challenge so with things like that use these challenges As or these opportunities where you're going to go harder as springboards for knowledge, for um, effort, for discipline, you might actually surprise yourself. You might do something that is one of these challenges, and you might go, Yeah, but they're not sustainable. It's like, Well, what's the alternative if you're not going to do anything? you might as well do the challenge and see what you're capable of and perhaps get inspired to continue on that journey. There's no point, you know, sitting on your high horse saying, yeah, but that's not going to work. Yeah, but that's this, but that's that. It's like, try. The best thing to do is try Like if anybody's giving you advice on what to eat or how to train, just ask them, have you done that before? Have you tried that meal? What do you think of that workout? Have you been to that gym? And if the answer is no, it's like, oh, well then I'm going to come up with my own review on what that is and stop taking advice from people who are like my family or friends who really haven't done it for themselves. Most people that we will meet either struggle with finances or with their health. It's not like Australia has this unanimous you know, control over these things. These are, these are complex topics that we we as a country aren't really nailing. And so therefore, if somebody wants to talk to me about finances or health, I'm open. I'm like, okay, well, and there might be something that I don't know there might be a way to review this that I haven't really considered so I think that is a a huge one so I want to bring it full circle with the topic of uh, eat chocolate and lose weight um, and just and, and tie that into the the energy balance and flexible dieting and when you get a caloric budget um and you've calculated what a deficit might look like for your week and it's been really effective um, the difference between you taking in calories from the chocolate bar versus the salad are negligible, and the people who who argue otherwise will be like, "Well, there's so much more nutrients; it's so much better for you in the in the salad." And so if you enjoy eating salad and you feel better after you do it, and it's easy and affordable and manageable, then do that. That that's perfectly fine. If you're skipping the salad. And then feeling bad about yourself and then feeling like I'm not healthy. And because I ate the chocolate bar, I'm actually, you know, the scum of the earth, which is like people just take it so far. It's like, no, you can eat these foods, not only still lose weight, but still maintain optimal health. Your, you know, profile, your health profile doesn't change snack to snack. You don't suddenly go from being healthy to this really, really, you know, run-down, disease-ridden individual from this bar. In fact, if even if you had one chocolate bar every single day, then what's going to have a greater impact is your mental health and your physical activity and your financial stability on your overall well-being. Um, the, the You know, the lead, leading causes of, of uh, death in Australia don't include... Yeah, uh, candy bar consumption. We look at things like coronary heart disease, dementia, lung cancer. Our endocrine system and the, and the way that our body operates is so complex, um, and has so many um substantial environmental influences that that chocolate bar should not represent who you are, you know. It would be like uh swearing at somebody when you're driving and then calling yourself an angry person. Yeah, sure. If that's gonna help Your psyche or for whatever reason, but if you know that you're temper and your happiness and your mood actually changes regularly and is affected by so much external stimuli it's not funny then you start to realize that okay these things are going to come back there's ways that i can manage it differently next time it's like same thing with the chocolate bar you're running around you didn't have time to make the salad so you grabbed a chocolate bar because you're stressed and it was delicious and afterwards you're like oh, bummer you can always review and say okay what would i have liked to have done next time if the if you're saying well i want to have a chocolate bar i should be able to eat one then cool don't don't beat yourself up but if you want to be able to um eat more i don't know nutritionally dense foods then maybe it's a question of time and priorities and values what do you care most about for me i i don't have that um sensibility where i feel you have to eat this certain healthy way only because um it's not as practical for a lot of people and it and it's almost false until they get a real personal appreciation for it um, and 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 to be honest the people that are that I you know see eating very strict regimented you know meal structures as well it's not like they're they're better off for the next 50 60 years it just might be something that uh, or they're eating like like absolute garbage in private there's a bit of that too it's like on the outside it's just incredible foods and on the inside it's like oh <laughs> You know, and so that's that's the thing to understand too. A lot of people want to put their best foot out there and and show everybody the things that they're eating and how healthy they are. But it's okay to impl- in you know include other varieties of food. There's clients who have got in great stead, li- lived long healthy lives that have cl- included alcohol in their diet. You just don't want to be the person who is having six glasses every single night and you're not exercising and you're you know having poor relationships and you're not working and you're not struggling you know, these all all these things compound into somebody's health and well-being so it's not about the alcohol it's not about the chocolate It's not about the hammer. It's not about the Netflix. I think that was all the analogies that I came up with for us today. It's just about the summary of all those things and how it impacts on your health and well-being. So I hope today you guys uh, got a fresh perspective on a bit about calories and flexible dieting, but more so just a chance to breathe out and know that, these small micro decisions that you make don't define you. You just need to have a a plan or structure that's going to get you towards what your ideal goal is. If you have one, if you have a focus, if you have a a direction that you want to head in. And so when you do have that um, goal in mind and then a a plan or program set is that tee up with a health coach, tee up with a friend, make sure there's somebody keeping you accountable and it's okay to, to, to let things, you know, develop over time. And, um, It will get better your knowledge gets better your attitude gets better and and ultimately as uh, over time we get better understandings of of what's going to work for us So I hope you guys have enjoyed that uh, podcast today and got some quality information Maybe had a chance to yeah reflect on your own eating for a minute And so again, if you guys have enjoyed it, I appreciate uh, any feedback that you guys have been sending through and, and been letting us know. Um, If you have any suggestions or you want to get in contact for us, uh, to us, um, best email is info at athletichq.com.au. As always, if you can share this or let people know about the podcast, we greatly appreciate um, the reach. And so hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week.